They have kept dance floors filled for decades. The pioneers in electronic music. But now iconic UK duo Groove Armada are calling time on touring after an incredible career. Tom Finlay and Andy Cato have been best mates and colleagues for 20 years, producing hits like Super Stylin', At the River, and I See You Baby, Shaking That. <laughs> Their final tour event ever is going to finish in Aotearoa, New Zealand. They've got a full live band touring New Zealand in November. And Tom Finlay is with us this morning. Kia ora, good morning. Morning, how are you? I'm really well, thanks. I'm delighted to be speaking with you at what is a bit of an auspicious moment for you and for Groove Armada because, in a sense, it's a story of two creatives. Yours is a story of a, of a hugely successful music career, but Groove Armada's story is also a story of friendship. So, so how did you and Andy meet? Oh, right. Well, I mean, we met, this is now a long time ago, but like um, pretty basic way, you know, like I went to school with his now wife, you know, and she, um, we were kind of best friends actually before she met Andy. And I think she felt that like we would, um, you know, we would, we would sort of connect musically. And so, um, yeah, I've got a lot to thank her for really. We come from different places. I came much more from a kind of funk and soul background and was very into DJing and Andy was more into in sort of 90s house and was making music at that point. So it was, yeah, it was a nice combination. Yeah, why did you think you hit it off so well? Um, I mean, you know, on a personal level, we just have a laugh, which is really nice. And that's something that's kind of sustained us over the last 25 years. It took, you know, genuinely enjoying each other's company, which is really important. And, and musically, I mean, you know, it's like, I think I was just had, you know, opened him up to a kind of world of music he wasn't really aware of. You grew up in like, you know, kind of rural northern England. I didn't think he heard a lot of, of like the kind of funk and soul stuff I was hearing growing up near London, you know. And yeah. uh, I think he, I turned him on to that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, he was already then making music. You know, like this is like really early days, but he was he was making tunes and I found that whole idea like exhilarating, the idea of being able to actually get together and make records. So that, I think it was a kind of, you know, mutually helpful uh, meeting that one. Yeah. Can you can you paint us a bit of a picture? What was the what was the UK dance scene like in that mid nineties period? Uh, it was quite sort of fractured. You know, like it was lots of different little micro scenes. You know, and everyone, you know, like every sort of city had its own kind of energy about it. You had places like Shelley's and Stoke, and you know the Hacienda and Manchester, real clubs that gave sort of cities, northern cities especially, their identity. Down met where I was, there was like. So I grew up in Cambridge, so our big kind of musical scene was was London. There was a yeah. radio station called Kiss was just starting up. It was just doing the test transmissions. And so they were doing Kiss radio, and we were hearing these kind of old funk and soul things that we'd never heard before. There was one little record shop in Cambridge called Fat Maxis that sold old soul records, and we used to buy those. And Acid Jazz was quite big. You know, Giles Peterson was DJing yeah. around that sort of time, and we were going down to that sort of scene. And then there was sort of little raves in fields. So it was quite... Um, it was quite like a DIY kind of ethic to everything you did musically. And, you know, the kind of free party scene was pretty big. And so that, that was the kind of energy with a couple of these big northern clubs, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine it would have been an exhilarating time. I, I mean, da dance music was just going through a revolution of sorts at the time. I don't want to overstate it too much, right? But but it, it was the, the scene had a real edge. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I mean, I think it felt, you know, it was felt at that time, you know, it's it's difficult, you know, to look back now and, you know, like where I am now and dance music feels like such a sort of, you know, commercialised, smooth product in a lot of ways, you know, and I go out mm. to Ibiza every summer and I see the VIP tables and it, 
that has kind of made me despair a little bit, but I guess that's inevitable. That's just the way that culture works. But yeah, in the mid nineties, it was very sort of, you know, the, the, you know, people thought they were going to change the world through through music, you know, and I think there's a genuine feeling about that and real friction with the government at the time. And yeah, you know, that was a, just a real energy. People were doing the music and getting into that scene, I think, largely for the love of it, you know, and mm. some people were probably making some, probably a few canny promoters making some money out of it along the way, but it wasn't, that wasn't the the ethos. That wasn't a reason for getting into it. Whereas now there's obviously, you know, the, the, the kind of, commercial aspect of dance music as well no. <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean it's, a, it's gone through a huge transition in the last 25 years what what is it about the scene today that makes you despair uh, i mean it doesn't i don't think that's necessarily the case for all of it i like i i, I yeah. there's aspects you know like I, I i still feel really hopeful about it like you know i i think the music itself is fantastic i think that you know, I, I, the kind of the music that's coming out, the range of dance music, the sophistication of it all is is brilliant. You know, like and and you know, there's something there for everyone. You know, whether you want jungle or drum and bass or breakbeat, it's you know, it, it's just sometimes the only bits I find difficult is more the kind of you know the sort of VIP aspect of it, the kind of people sitting there in in removed areas in clubs, you know, in their white shirts, sort of buying on champagne accounts, and like that stuff is just doesn't have a place. For, for me in, in dance music really. and I find that stuff a bit depressing yeah but well, I also understand that it's a business you know and I you know I want to get paid to be a DJ so I guess if they charge the people with VIP then I probably get paid to be a DJ it, it's sort of the it's a story of all art and in, in a sense isn't it you know like so, something starts off with with um an authenticity that comes from you know pure motives and from maybe a slightly um you know anarchisty background even and and then as it becomes more popular for those reasons maybe it's it loses some of those qualities or doesn't have them in the same purity that it once did yeah i mean i think that's that's true to some extent although i like i say i think it's sort of you know i mean i'm i'm not clubbing as much as i was but i'm really aware that there's still exciting micro scenes popping up in yeah. london all the time i live in uh i live in north london and uh there's an area called tottenham you know you must yeah, know yeah. the football team that's always been a kind of which by the way is not my football team <laughs> i'm like absolutely opposite. my team's <laughs> arsenal but um but that area of tottenham in the last few years was was um was a really run down area for a long time and was you know during the riots we had in london was really the epicenter of that and in the last five years, the scene there has been brilliant and it's been led actually, like the kind of era has really regenerated and it's been led by, to some extent, by the kind of nightclub scene and these little places popping up and bringing energy to the area. So that stuff's still mm. happening, you know, and it's still, it's still a real force for good, you know, but it's just, um, in, you know, in certain clubs. And I think, yeah, I would say particularly, Ibiza particularly is the one that really has, yeah. has changed a lot. You know, I think about what it was like when we went over there 25 years ago and it was kind of dancing in the open air and it was pretty loose, you know, and, yeah. and, it, and it's very, very different from that. And like that, when I go over there, particularly, I do find it, it doesn't, I don't find I recognize aspects of it really much from, from when I was there 25 years ago. Your set at Glastonbury 1999 is a thing of legend. Do you remember it? Uh, yeah, I do. I remember all the sets there. It's funny because yeah. like this, you know, like all of those, every set I played there, I remember really well. I mean, actually, the one that I remember the most is the one that we did in what's now called the John Peel stage. And it was, it was the first year of the John Peel stage, which is, was about 2010. And we just done Black Light. I think that might, I mean, I do remember the 1999 one really yeah. well, but the 2010 one is, 
if you you can actually do it you can like people want to have a look you can go on it's definitely up there on you know on on youtube whatever you can find on vimeo whatever you whatever yeah. your platform of choices and if you do groove a john peel stage you'll find us there and that was we just come back i think we must have done some dates in new zealand because i think it's one of the things when we toured for a long time and we were just it's that thing when you play with a band for like two three months you're in the road you're so tight you know like yeah. to the point where you can kind of be loose because everything's just automated, right? Every, you know every bar. And so you could just really have fun with the set. And I think we came to that show at the end of a, an album we'd done called Black Light, which was a which was a kind of inverted commas difficult record. And I think some people, it was a very much a change of style for us and people struggled with it a bit, but we never lost faith in it. And um, and that felt like the crowning moment of that record actually playing mm. there and playing songs that, We'd been away for three months and things had got bigger, you know, like Paper Romance has suddenly become an anthem for us. And that's that's one of my, but I, I remember that. I remember, you know, 2006, 2007, when we played the other stage, which is like the the kind of the, you know, the holy grail for dance acts really at Glastonbury. And I, yeah, I remember 1999. I remember playing at the river. I remember everything about that because that's when things kind of started for us. That's when yeah. everything started to feel real. And that's one of the amazing things about, I mean, Glastonbury is amazing in so many ways, but its ability to launch careers or kind of signpost a moment in a band's career is is is, is amazing. Like mm. they do it all the time. I mean, the d- digital technology has fundamentally changed the music industry, but perhaps hasn't changed anything quite as much as it's changed dance music, both in the way music is created, but also in the way it's consumed. Do you have any kind of reflections from the way that technology has has changed dance music over the last couple of decades? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because we've sort of, you know, kind of experienced the full development of that you know we made northern star with like literally one sampler that had like a 10 second sampling time that's literally all you could have in every track and we used to load it off multiple floppy disks and i do remember constantly maybe yeah just maybe being slightly under the influence and always losing because you had to load the, load the floppy disk yeah, in right. the right order yeah right and so you get to about this 56 and then realize you've done it wrong and start again so it's kind of maddening but there was something good about that sort of the lack of choice you had you had to make decisions about stuff and then yeah. be flexible yeah with it and then and yeah we moved through and other things have been you know made things much more pop possible like you know i love the fact that we could make a, a record like black light which is very much in a, a, a like a, a combination of live and and dance music and that's something that you know with the live shows we do i think is relatively unique unique about us you know there aren't many bands that like dance bands i mean that actually go up on stage you know and and play it live and you can see what's happening live and i think yeah. that like so technology allowed us to do that which it wouldn't have been possible in the early days so, yeah uh, these days it's kind of strange i'm sitting in my studio now talking to you and uh surrounded by all this sort of stuff and it's sometimes i just feel a bit overwhelmed by the possibilities you know the choice is too great yeah i sometimes i should just throw it all out and just go back to where i was at the beginning yeah know? yeah um i mean begs a question why are you stopping? You've, you've had, what, 25 years of amazing success, records, experiences, but you and Andy have decided to call it a day. Yeah, I mean, we're not completely stopping right. in the sense that um, we will make some dance records again. So we'll make house music, and I'm working on bits and pieces for that for some DJ next summer, in our summer, UK summer. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we're stopping the live show. So, like, actually, the run we're doing with you is the last set of shows we'll yeah. ever do with a yeah and i think it's just that you know it's kind of weird but it's just this we're stopping because 
you know, we've done it for 20 years and it's been really exhilarating. We've managed to pretty much tour with the same group of people throughout that time. And we're still on pretty good terms. And yeah. We still feel like we can cut it and I still feel like it sounds great and looks great. But um, yeah, we just felt like, you know, it's a kind of cliche, but just to go out when we're still enjoying it, when we're still selling out arenas and stuff like that, that's, it feels like the right time to go. And, um, you know, our, our interests have diversified. So, you know, Andy's got massively into this whole regenerative farming thing and it's a very dominant thing in his life. You know, yeah. he's like, we have to, we have to cut DJ for about two months in the summer because he's, <laughs> planting seeds or whatever he's doing yeah, so yeah. it's complicated as you can imagine yeah uh, and i work as a therapist now three days a week so yeah it's um it just felt like feels like you know like you know you talk about 1999 to me and thinking about the possibilities that i would be sat here talking to you now 25 years later still doing this and still enjoying it it's it's, it's, it's a miracle to me so yeah I, i'm i'm you know i feel like that's that's it feels like an incredible run i don't want to be greedy you know yeah no well said i think there's a i think there's so much to be said for actually just picking a picking a moment in one's career when things are going well and say, you know what, that's actually been that's actually been great, and I want to I want to pursue some other things in my life maybe and create a little bit more space for them. But I think um, yeah, our listeners will be relieved to know you're you're not going to be stopping writing music or anything like that. Yeah, no, still doing that. And I, I tell you what, it's been such a on the basis of going going out in a way that's been like, on our own terms and all that. Actually, this summer's been amazing because we've done few festivals here in the uk which are quite like multi-general yeah. generational festivals so like the mums and dads but the kids are there the 15 16 year olds i'm talking about and and they've been all coming to the gigs and and, and getting into and knowing the music it's been really like amazing actually i guess that's much so it, it has its downsides it's the upside i think of, of, of streaming you know like yeah the, 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 yeah the music live you know so like yeah we've like had like 16 year old mosh pits the super styling stuff so it has been i have asked myself that question when i've watched those crowds you know but um, but I've also thought that that yeah, it just feels like the right time. It feels like uh, we're going out, not at our peak, but but not far off it, which is great. Yeah, oh, fantastic. We can't have, uh, we can't wait to have you in in New Zealand this summer. It's going to be so good to have you down oh, under. Really yeah, really, really fun. It's such a nice way to go out. You know, like it's somewhere that's been that part of the world has been really important to us. It's been our second home. You know, so so to go out, I'm really really happy that we've been able to manage to find a way to do it. So it's great. Oh, fantastic. Hey, Tom, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Good luck travelling down under. We can't wait to see you. And good luck for Arsenal making the Champions League next year. <laughs> thank you. That's Tom Finlay from Groove Armada.